Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast with the Switch to Manual guys. I'm Antonio. And I'm Tom. And hey, Tom, it's been a while, a little while. Yeah, a little while, good yeah. to be back. It is good to be back. Um, Yeah, you know, oh, we're, we're at our 54th episode, so we're we're we've made it over the hill we're middle-aged i know that feeling <laughs> well you, you just had a birthday didn't you i did yeah, yeah. i won't give away any you know dates or times but i will say happy birthday to you officially just say 50 is the new 30 <laughs> <laughs> which i've been saying for four years now <laughs> <laughs> oh see now you gave it away Okay. So I know, yeah. Well, it just we so happens that about it. yeah, it just so happens that your age matches the episode number. Sorry. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Synchronicity. Yeah. So uh, I hope you're okay with this, but I had Bart on the last episode. We were talking about um, what are we talking about? We talked about picture picture profiles. Um, cool. You know, the, the yeah, stuff no, I'm totally camera. okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, he was happy to fill in, and it was nice. And I know you've been busy, so. We keep the show going. I'm trying to, I want to get the show done twice a month if possible. I know it's really hard even for me now, but, uh-huh. um, and I know for you, but like to, to, it's great when you're on and you know, what I want to do is I've got, I've got a bunch of people pegged for interviews by the way. So, you know, hopefully, uh, it's something maybe you and I can do together or I can do and we can skip a month. I don't know, but, uh, well, you know, we keep the show going. That's the, that's the main thing. The show must go on. The show must go on. Totally, yeah. And I'm really happy that uh, you have the time tonight to uh, to hang out. You yeah, know? me too. I'm psyched. I, I love the idea too. Iconic images that have sort of embedded themselves in our minds and shaped our understanding, our sense of what photography is, and the power of images. And um, it's been a fun thing to think about. Yeah, I I, I came up with this. I think today. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do my homework. Don't give that away, Tony. No, I've <laughs> <laughs> been working on this episode for yes, months. Yes, no, I've been doing. Yes, I went to school for this episode. <laughs> well, actually, that's well, true. As, as a friend of mine once said, you know, when you're sort of, you get to a certain point in life, and you can look back and basically say, you know, I've been preparing my entire life to do what I'm doing right, right now. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, there, I have been. Yes, I have. All everything I've done leads up to, to this episode, this moment right now, which is all we exactly. actually have. Exactly. Right? Yeah. God, I hope it's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. So I, I came up with this idea. I didn't want to talk about gear with you or tips, although we might get to some of that stuff just naturally. Mm-hmm. And you know, you've we, we haven't seen each other in person for you know quite some time, and we used to go to the coffee shop and hang out and. I have a feeling like if I was getting up tomorrow morning, going to the coffee shop and you were there, we might end up talking about this stuff. And so I thought, well, why not just, you know, you're there in Arizona. I'm in New York, Brooklyn. We have Skype. We have microphones, right? We have pictures and people want to hear us talk, hopefully intelligently. Yeah, we we have the technology. We do. We have the, we can make it better. We can build it stronger and faster. (laughs) And and just for the audience, for for your knowledge, audience, these people listening, Tom and I are both about the same age, so we're we're of the same generation. Does that make us 
are we baby boomers? Are we like right on the edge of that? We are boomers, yeah. Right? We're not, not, or are um, we Generation for, X? I can't no, I, I think we're Generation X wannabes, <laughs> but probably boomers. <laughs> we're probably boomers. Yeah, I was and, born and in... That, that, we have the technology is a allusion to the $6 million man, which some people will remember and yeah. some will say, what are they talking about? A man barely alive. We can make him better than he was. Better, <laughs> stronger, faster. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> da, 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 da. And why, he, why would he run in slow motion? Every time he's supposed to be mm. running 60 miles an hour, he's running in slow motion. Even as a kid, I was like, I can't understand that. <laughs> I don't know if you know. I was part of the Steve, yeah. I was part of the Steve Austin fan club, by the way. So I had the Whoa. yeah. I had the card. I had I had the poster. I also had an action figure, which was funny <laughs> because he you, you could take his arm and legs apart. Right, he had two fake arms and a leg, and his eye was like a little telescope. So you there was a hole in the back of his head, and you would put your eye to the back of his head, and his eye would be like a little mini telescope. And wow, so, man, yeah, that's, it was weird. that's profound, you know, in terms of you becoming a photographer, <laughs> like, whoa. Right, seeing through the eye of somebody else. Anyway, yeah, right, we'll get off mm. into it. You know what, because I'm having my, you know, as Mac would say, his, I don't know if he says podcast juice, but I got some Knob Creek bourbon going here. It's getting a little watered down, but, you know. All makes, right, well, we better, we better get, get yeah. into the, the meat of things. Right, otherwise you start on, hearing me. On the floor. <laughs> falling asleep. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, what what popped in my mind actually, it came from the you know tonight's subject sort of came from uh, like I said earlier this week they they released was it this week last week anyway they released the the preview for the next Blade Runner movie mm. uh, and it's and I was watching the preview and it was beautiful the the imagery and it was beautiful so I started going through I'm like wow I really want to do a uh, either an episode and or um, uh, you know blog post about um, frames from a movie, influential, beautiful frames from a movie. And that made me think about the pictures that I grew up with, the imagery that I grew up with. And how did that, um, how, how did the imagery that I saw and what were those pictures and how did they, I want to say influence me, but somehow they've become part of my DNA. You know, and maybe mm -hmm. for you as well, and and you know anybody who's listening as well. Um, and it's not just like okay, well that picture made me become a photographer. Or that movie made me become a photographer. It's like when you and I were growing up, we didn't have there was obviously no internet, right? And we got our pictures uh, presented to us in book form or in magazines or in newspapers. And you know, we 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 grew up uh, around the time when the Vietnam War was happening. Uh, so there was a lot of strife, and of course, we're growing up during the you know the awful um, economic times of the '70s and stuff like that. And so, a lot of the pictures I think that we were surrounded with were probably um, more strifeful than than anything. Would you? Yeah, it was definitely an intense time. Sure, it was. Yeah. And I also think that those pictures lingered longer. Uh, compared to today where, you know, if you're looking at Instagram, you know, if we're, if we're flipping, we're, we're flooded with imagery every day. There's pictures, pictures, pictures coming in and, um, it's hard to make sense of all the imagery I think coming in, but, uh, and how much of an effect does it have on us now? It's a question we can talk about. I don't know, but certainly back, you know, when I was growing up and getting into photography or just getting into the, maybe, maybe, um, 
picture awareness would be the right thing rather than saying getting into photography because you know it can conclude movies and paintings and any kind of imagery that I saw but what was it that was sort of what would I go back to and what would I look at what would I think about and so anyway that was the idea for this and um, I'm guessing that you're cool with this because yeah no I love end. this topic yeah, yeah I think it's awesome man yeah. so I, I figured let me go first because um, I ended up pulling out a ton of pictures I'm not going to talk about them all but I want to talk about a few of them uh, and at some point in my life my mother gave me I think it was my mom gave me a book about the Pulitzer Prize winning photographs um, up to the time that she gave me the book so I think it was like 79 78 that she gave me the book and I think it was the Pulitzer Prize from every picture uh, from like 77 down to like the 40s you know so those one per year and so uh, that was my mm. that was my sort of go-to book for documentary photography, or at least the ones that were chosen to be the you know quote unquote the best of the year, or at least one the ones that won the Pulitzer Prize. So uh, I fished through that book today, and I was going through a few pictures. And um, again, it was the book that's on my shelf. I would look at it as a kid, and and I would think about the pictures. And so the the first one that I immediately went to is this photograph now I'm not going to get the caption in front of me here so I can say this right but I sent it to you let me get it here photos sorry I'm looking at my phone here to do this this is kind of funny all right so I'll describe the picture I mean we'll put the I'll put pictures into the show notes so everybody can see this but the picture is uh it looks like a scuffle or a uh some sort of you know a little bit of a riot uh, in a city, and there is this uh, African American guy in a suit being wrestled by some people, and he looks like he's trying to get away. And there's a guy on the left of the picture who has an American flag, and he is grabbing it like a spear, and he's about to thrust it at the uh, African American guy who's who's being held back by the crowds, and the flag is sort of draped over him and the guy is in the position and he is you know you can just see he's about to thrust it and you know what I'm just looking at this now it's a and it's an amazing thing when I'm looking at it from a distance the guy's body position is in the shape of a star you see that um, let, me, let me go back to that image the guy who's about to thrust the American flag his he's got his two legs out He's got the flag in his arms to the left and then his head. And if you look at the position, it, it's in the shape of a star. And it's really funny because I've just noticed that. Or at least I noticed it explicitly. Um, yeah. I don't know if I noticed it. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Wow. And so yeah, the the quick caption is, it's this is in Boston. Uh, I think the caption was the soiling, the soiling of old glory. And the uh, African-American gentleman, I think, is a, uh, he's a lawyer. And there was some sort of scuffle at City Hall. And it's obviously some racial uh, situation going on. So I'm not going to go through the whole caption. Um, but it's obviously a racial situation. And these guys are not, you know, they, they're trying to beat this guy up because he's black. And I've always looked at that image. And, and it, it the, never made sense to me. Like, I couldn't understand what was going on. I couldn't understand why this... This guy was about to get impaled or hit 
by this guy with an American flag. And I, I couldn't understand what that guy was doing, like why he was doing that. Like mm-hmm. he, he wasn't aware of, like, he, was he not aware of what he was doing? And obviously he was aware. It was so. And I saw this when I was like twelve or eleven, or I don't know when I got the book. I mean, as a young kid, trying to make sense of this kind of image, um, especially because it looks like New York. I know it's Boston, but Boston, you know, it looks like it's an urban environment, and it looks like people, you know, these look like everyday people that I walk around next to, you know, living in the city. Um, and it so, does have a New York vibe too. I, I, I at first thought it was New York because it looks like it's down around, like Battery Park, some of those old historic buildings. Yeah. In the in the middle of downtown. Well, having grown up in New York, though, I, I don't think I've ever seen that kind of. Uh, at least I don't remember any kind of racial strife like that. So that's what sort of threw me for a second. It was like, yeah, it was oh unfamiliar. Gosh, yeah. It's familiar and unfamiliar simultaneously. And well, I, I, I let me just jump in and say, yeah. I think your question about, you know, does does he not know what he's doing? I mean, I think, you know, as a kid, like looking at that image and having that question, I think, is a really profound question, because, you know, on on one level, sure, the guy's acting aggressively in a crowd. But does that person understand the, the forces that he has, you know, given himself over to? Probably not. Mm. It's like, you know, the when Jesus is being crucified, forgive them father for they know not what they do. Mm, you know, mm-hmm. this, this notion that people are driven by unconscious dynamics when they're overwhelmed with fear and, and, and the way that this guy is. So I just think that's like a profound question to have been asking yourself as a kid looking at that image. Yeah. I never, I never really, I never really thought like that about it. Um, but yeah, and and I, I didn't pick this image, you know, to make any commentary about what's going on today, other than, you know, what it, you know, um, I'm tongue tied here. Nothing new under the sun. Nothing I mean, new. You know, under, well, yeah, it's like the things same, repeating, with things, the same stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, um, and you know, as a photograph, uh, you know, having spent time in museums and looking at, uh, you know, the art in there. And I look at this image and, you know, instantly, it lo- like, for some reason, it looks like something that would have come out of the French Revolution or something like that, uh, mm-hmm. where the, the um, although the, the roles are reversed, you know, there's good guys and bad guys doing different things in this, in this image than it would be if it was a, fr- you know, uh, an image about the French Revolution, mm-hmm. where I could see somebody, you know, uh, taking a French flag and going after the royalty with it, you know what I mean? Um, right, right. But it's got that it's got that sense. It's it's a very flat, you know, the action's all in sort of one plane, you know. Mm-hmm. And then there's yeah, all this it's stuff. almost like a classic painting in a yeah. sense. And so that that's also part of the sort of the contradictory thing about it. I mean, this is a photojournalist coming across this uh this protest or this racial, you know, riot and takes this picture that is awful and confusing and beautiful simultaneously. And it it's one of those things that when I opened up this book all the time, I would go to the shot and I would just constantly look at it and mm. and try to make sense of it. And so, yeah, it's powerful. Know, yeah, it is. And uh, I, I don't know how it's influenced me today, but I know that it's part of my my DNA, my photo DNA in some way. And so 
uh, I sort of wanted to start with that picture because that was the strongest one that I was thinking about when I decided I thought this would be a good topic to talk about tonight. So, absolutely, man. Yeah. yeah. Let me see if I can find the hang on. If I can find the photographer, that would be nice. I could just say that out loud. Uh, blah blah blah. Yeah, uh, Stanley Foreman of the Boston Herald American. So he's listening to his radio when he, this was hearing this uh, riot at City Hall. So, yeah, Stanley Foreman. Mm. All right. All right, so that's my first one. What What about you? <laughs> well, I, you know, the, and, we, and we're talking about anything now, any, yeah, yeah. any kind of imagery. So, well, um, I do want to mention this one, um, and I believe the photographer is unknown. Um, I have not been able to track down the name of the person. Um, I found it actually. The New York Times ran um, this image. A few years ago and it was part of a series of photographs of the vietnam war that came from the perspective of the vietnamese you know and which in and of itself is kind of interesting because we're just used to seeing the vietnam war whether you know critical views or kind of patriotic views just from the standpoint from the perspective of americans mm -hmm. so to see the war through the eyes of the vietnamese itself is powerful and and this one particular image, I mean, it just like you were de describing the impact of um, that image we just discussed. You know, I, I felt the same way with this one. I just could not take my eyes off it and was mesmerized by it. I ended up cutting it out and putting it um, when I was in Brooklyn. I, I had it taped to the wall in my um, one, one of the rooms in the house that I, I would just see on a regular basis because I just found it so powerful. And mm. You know, well, we'll post it, but it's basically like a surgical team standing around um, an operating table and a patient is being brought in on a stretcher, except what makes it remarkable is that they're, this is happening in a swamp and everyone is knee deep in swamp water. It's like this makeshift um, surgical unit. Um, in, oh, so in the middle like of a swamp. Mash, like a mash unit or something. Yeah. The first thing yeah. Happened, yeah. So that, that just, that image, I, you know, it was, uh, I think in the, the times ran a black and white and the online version I found of it is, is black and white as well. And, uh, you know, when I was just looking for it for tonight, um, I, I found it in this article by a guy named Doug, um, Niven um, who gave an interview to National Geographic. And I just want to read a little bit of what he says um, in the context of like the conditions that these photographers were working in. He said there, there was one photographer, actually a reporter who had a camera. He used only one roll of film for the duration of the war because he didn't know how to change it. And he hmm. was too scared to open the camera in case he ruined the film. And, wow. and I just want to read one more paragraph. Many photographers worked in very difficult and dangerous conditions. They didn't have dark rooms, so they would process their film in the middle of the night under the stars. Some photographers mixed their chemicals in little teacup saucers, and often they would process only half a roll at a time because they didn't want to risk ruining the entire roll. For flash photography, some used gunpowder from rifle cartridges and set a match to it. Wow. Unbelievable, huh? Right. Wow. And the other, I mean, the interesting thing about that is, 
it, you're, we're talking about, quote-unquote, the enemy's point of view, but how rarely do we see the photographs from the other side? And, yeah. you know, yeah. when we grow up, or at least, you know, we're talking about the Vietnam War and how uh, typically we desensitize or, the, you know, the, the government desensitizes or the uh, army desensitizes the enemy and they're just the enemy. And why should we even bother seeing anything mm -hmm. from their point of view? Yeah, um, we don't want to risk humanizing them. No, no, because if we do... <laughs> <laughs> if we do, then we're not going to want to kill them anymore. And, you know, right. You know, and yeah, it's funny exactly. that you talk about that picture because I, I, I was doing some searching and I've seen some more pictures from the Vietnam War, also from the from the north side. And it was, mm -hmm. a, it was a weird picture. It was a picture of this teenage girl um, with a rifle. And she, she looked like she might have been 13 or 14 and she's leading an American uh, pilot out of a swamp. Mm. Uh, and he's got this helmet on. And he looks like an alien. He looks like a, mm. like something dropped out of, you know, a spaceship. And she's just this young girl marching through it. But, uh, you know, when, you, when you're showing these pictures from the other point of view, um, mm -hmm. it, it's, it, they take on a new life, you know. And yeah. Uh, you know, I grew up. You know, I grew up thinking. I don't know. Actually, I don't know if I grew up thinking that the North Vietnam, North Vietnamese were the enemy. I mean, I was probably too young to even understand that. Um, I don't yeah, know, sort you, of looking back. You yeah. know, looking back as we got older, there's sort of you know you start to form your perception of what what that was right. about. And even then, you know, there's kind of this like that whole kind of lore of oh. You, you never see the Viet Cong and they're just kind of like these shadows in the jungle. And, right, right. You know, again, kind of this dehumanization. Yeah. When when did you first become aware of this, this image? Actually, this, you know, I discovered fairly recently, um, like I said, you know, when it, when it ran in the New York Times mm -hmm. a few years ago, mm -hmm. um, when I was, I, I was living in Brooklyn, I know that. So, um, I, I believe that's when I first saw it. It's really um, interesting that you, you cut it out and put it on your wall. Is a you know that's such yeah. a say old school thing to do. <laughs> yeah, you know I thought of having it tattooed on me, man. It's just seriously. <laughs> really? It's just yeah. It's wow. just I just can't can't get over the power of that image. That would have been a hard you one know, to tattoo. That's a pretty intense image, but uh, um, yeah. I mean, you know. That's it. The the images that you cut out and you hang out on your on your wall, not just you know, yeah, uh, copy them and keep them on your phone, which is not quite the same thing. It's you know you're looking at your desk all the time or your your something. And what is it that uh, you stop your work and you look up at and and you know it draws your eyes. So yeah, and and it moves in that direction of something we've talked about before, but just to invoke briefly that notion of sort of moving from the virtual to an actual printed image, whether mm -hmm. it's cut out of a magazine or a newspaper or one of your own images, it's like there's something about the physicality. Um, and like you're saying, it, it kind of elevates it in terms of its level of importance in your life. If it's, you know, like we have favorites on our phones, obviously, that we right. see all the time, screensavers right. and right. stuff like that. But when you start printing and or hanging things, then it's like, all right, you know, this – this image for 
whatever reason is important to me. Right. Especially, you know, as you're saying that, I'm thinking that when it's somebody else's image. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, to obviously talk about this a little bit, you know, if you, you open up a magazine and you see someone's photograph and you cut it out and hang it up, that's one thing. And it's another thing to, you know, to go to someone's site and download a, uh, a high res version of it and start printing it out yourself. I mean, I, you know, if it was me and someone really liked my photographs and wanted to do that because it influenced them and they wanted to do that, I, I don't think I'd have a problem with that. But I think we need to be aware of that, you know. Um, and I'm, I'm only mentioning this because I think that, I mean, you know, we always talk about printing our own pictures, but here we are looking at other people's pictures uh -huh. know, from books yeah, and stuff like yeah. that. And I, I wouldn't have hesitated to cut out the picture that I was talking about and put it on, on my wall so I could look at it just like you you were. Today mm -hmm. is a lot harder to do that because these things are not in print. A lot of the pictures that I think people are looking at, they may be influenced by, um, are on their phone. And, you know, you don't always have your phone in front of you or, you know, you can't pin your phone to a wall. So, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I'm not yeah. advocating you go to someone's website and start printing out their pictures, but, you know. Uh, well, like you said, it's 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 an ethical consideration and, and you know, it's one thing just to, cut something out of a magazine. It's another thing to, you know, print a high res image in a large format. And, you know, then, then, you know, there's, there's definitely some ethical considerations, which is why we want to make it possible for people to buy our images if they really want a good high reg. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's jump to another one of yours. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So boy, I have, actually I have so many of them. Uh, I don't want every one of them to be about strife. I, I will just mention quickly the other shot from Vietnam uh, of the, uh, this, the, I don't want to talk about this one too much, but this was another one that mm -hmm. is in this book of the uh, South Vietnamese general shooting the Viet Cong. And Eddie Adams captures the uh, moment where the um, general's pulling the trigger and, and the bullets entering the guy's head. And again, you know, I'm 12, 11 years old and I'm looking at this picture and this, you know, probably happened a year before you know before i got the book you know it's still relatively mm -hmm. fresh so that's that's almost like news to me you know and seeing this stuff yeah and um unfortunately i think i've, I've also saw the 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 film of it because there was a bunch of uh, photographers around that scene and so mm -hmm. i've seen the still image and then i've also seen the film from the documentaries of vietnam or maybe even in the news i can't remember and it's a very violent act. And it's, again, one of those moments of, like, I don't understand what's going on. And, you know, it, it, it makes no sense to me as a, as, a, as a kid. And yet it's a compelling, beautiful photograph. And, I, you know, it's hard to even say that. I can't say it's a, you know, it's a bad photograph. It's compelling. I look at it. It's thoughtful, you know. But, again, it's coming from the mind of a kid. So, anyway, I just want to throw that in, you know, and I'll post that picture. Probably everybody has seen this shot. It's a very famous shot. But back mm. when, you know, back when uh, we were young, uh, again, these pictures were not, you know, circulated. I mean, they were in the newspaper, but it wasn't like, you know, it's so different than it is today. Right. It wasn't one of a thousand. It right. was one of 20. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, but the next picture I want to jump to is a, is a, um, is a nicer picture, nicer picture. And it's a, it's a typical one, you know, it's an Ansel Adams shot and, uh, I didn't send it to you, but you'll know the shot. Uh, and it's the moonrise over Hernandez image. Um, mm. and we all know that picture, but again, and this is not part of that 
Pulitzer Prize book because the Pulitzer Prize book was just documentary work. This is just an image that I had seen someplace when I was young. I don't know where. I don't know when the first time I saw it, but it had an impact on me. And, uh, you know, I again, it's one of those pictures that I look at, look at, look at all the time. I've even tried to emulate from my window at Brooklyn. Uh, you know, maybe successfully, I don't know, but there was something about it. So the image is for those of people who don't even know who Ansel Adams is and, and don't even know this picture, uh, shame on you, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I'll describe it. Nevertheless, uh, it's a landscape in New Mexico. Um, the picture's kind of divided in half. The top half is generally, uh, printed very, very dark, almost black. Uh, there's a moon, uh, somewhat in the center of it and then below that there's some clouds almost like a sunset clouds and then there's a landscape with uh, what looks like a small i want to say not a shanty town i can't tell what's a town there's some adobe buildings and farm structures oh there's a graveyard as i'm looking at it closer and then there's some Mm. mountains in the background and the the thing about this image that got to me was it didn't seem like it was of this earth (laughs) <laughs> and I was uh, when I was a kid, um, you know, very much into science fiction, and um, uh, I don't know, just I love space and stuff like that. And to me, this looked like a uh, an, an outer world image, and because I'd never seen an image of the moon uh, in black, looking like it's floating in space with a uh, you know what looked like a bright, you know, you know, landscape. You know, the clouds uh-huh. are glowing. Uh-huh. The The landscape is bright. I can see it. It doesn't look like nighttime. And yet there's this black sky and this moon hanging in there. And it it's the otherworldliness of this imagery, which I know it was in, you know, it's on Earth. I know that. I was not that dumb as a kid. <laughs> um, well, it says something about the power of the image that it, it, it prompted you to sort of experience yourself on a planet in space Hmm. you know what i mean it's not like taking the the world the earth for granted it's it's realizing wow this is where i am Hmm. i never thought of it like that (laughs) me neither (laughs) until i heard you talking about it (laughs) well i've you know what i've never actually talked about these um out loud explicitly i mean that's why i thought this was a good episode to talk about because it was you know wanted to give some voice to this but you know this is all the kind of stuff that's in my head all the time and i'm thinking about it when i'm looking at the picture but i never really said it out loud um yeah it was so unconventional to what i had seen any other kind of Mm. pictures even the kinds i've done on my own or whatever it was a totally unconventional image and what's really interesting is this was done I'm not going to say, I'm not going to be able to quote the date on it right off the top of my head, but it's certainly, you know, before I was born, I think. Um, I mean, I want to say the 50s, but uh, whenever Ansel Adams was doing his best, but 50s or 60s, I certainly was young or whatever. Um, But yeah, you know, it's like, it looks like something out of Star Wars to me. Maybe that's why I like Star Wars so much when I saw Star Wars for the first time, that had Mm, imagery mm -hmm. that evoked this. But it was definitely that it's definitely that thing. If I if I could have a print of it and I would stare at it for hours and and imagine what's going on and where this is and you know and why he chose to print the sky so black. I know that there's uh, many different ways that 
this image gets printed, but I think generally it gets printed where the sky is almost black. Um, not not black black, but if you saw that, I think an original print, it would be like a very very deep black for all intents and purposes. Um, but I, I would definitely yeah. put that on my in my photo DNA that there's something there's something otherworldly and um, I don't know just it draws me it draws me yeah yeah it's very powerful and you know it's again sorry I mean you know I I not making any apologies for it because I'm you know both of us have grown up in times where there was that you know imagery was not as you know uh, a lot less images to look at when we were growing up so pick and choose these ones but this is a typical one you know this is a if you think of Ansel Adams there's probably two or three pictures that you can pick of his this would be one of them I would think so anyway yeah totally yeah yeah, yeah. and New Mexico I, I was just in New Mexico a couple of weeks ago were you? yeah it's beautiful you know and uh, I'll I don't know if we'll have room we're going to have a lot of images but I, I took a shot that I like um, but I've been there. I've been there twice, uh-huh. and uh, it was really, it was really interesting. <laughs> what, yeah, was it's a, a great place to shoot. There's no doubt about. Oh my that. god! Yeah, it was the one place I also learned about you know the differences of uh, uh, elevation, <laughs> mm. and I, you know, why was I not being able to breathe so well? I couldn't figure that out. And I was like, oh, Santa Fe is like at eight thousand feet or five thousand feet or whatever. Um, and the one time I went out there with my my friend uh, Tony. Um, big tony uh uh-huh. we went we went out to actually to the two times we were there we both went we went to the um the very large array the radio telescopes out there and that was a trip boy mm. you know seeing all these huge discs and anything but anyway yeah so. yeah hey i just on wikipedia about the the image you're describing um i've just found this um according to mary allender this Hansel Adams and his son were on, on a, um, you know, photographic trip. They had been commissioned. Um, according to Mary Allender, they encountered a quote, fantastic scene, a church and cemetery near Hernandez, New Mexico and pulled to the side of the road. Adams recalled that he yelled at his son, Michael, um, to get this, get that for God's sake. We don't have much time desperate to capture the image in the fading light. They scrambled to set up a tripod and camera Knowing they only had mo- that only moments remain before the light was gone. Mm. Mm. And and the the kind of camera he's setting up is <laughs> you know he's setting up a uh, an eight by ten I'm guessing camera uh, field camera so it's it's not just uh, coming out of a bag. Right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's impressive. That's impressive. So yeah, 1941. 41. Okay, so th- yes, way before my time. Yeah, it, so it, it looks we, like such a modern. We just image. encountered it later. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, that was mine. What, what do you? You got another one, or something? Um, you got to have something. Let's see. Yeah, you know, I know. Yeah, you. well, um, not to uh, focus on trauma, but um, I mean, another iconic image for me is the Buddhist monk who set himself on fire. I, you know, I was gonna, I was gonna say that one too, but you go ahead. I'm, I want to hear your take on it yeah well yeah yeah uh, you know i mean what what an image i i, I was just looking it up because i knew we we're going to be talking about iconic images and uh i if i'm recalling this correctly the photographer was sort of tipped off that this was going to be happening um you know what's weird is that i think i've 
I only recall seeing that image in black and white. And I, I went to um, look it up today, and I saw these color versions of it, which I don't ever remember having I think seen. Those are, I, I have a feeling Maybe they're, they were colorized. Are they doctored? Okay. Yeah, because uh-huh. I don't think there was a... Maybe we should talk about that a little bit as well, um, about actually this picture in particular. But when did you first discover this picture, too? Like, when is... This, you know, apparently, I, I, I think it happened in 63, which yeah, is the year a... I was born. Um, it was a protest I, I remember, on, on the war too, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't remember when I first saw it, but yeah, you know, I think I saw it at a very young age, and it's always haunted me and just been such a powerful image. And again, like just today when I went to look it up, I I saw some other related images. Um, one of them is really powerful. It's after. This monk has, um, I guess, immolated himself, and it said, and, and so he's sort of like charred, and I, I believe he'd be dead at this point. And other, it said, other monks came up and sort of, you know, prostrated themselves, kneeled down, and mm. and in reverence to this person who had died. And there's there's an image of that, mm. which I don't mm. think I've ever seen. You know, I just saw it trying to find this one but that's interesting it points out that we we often see these uh iconic imagery and we don't always see the before and after so much right. Although I, yeah. I did see the sequence uh somewhere along the line i saw the contact sheet of, that led to that picture uh-huh. uh, i don't remember seeing the ones afterwards although that one that you're describing sounds familiar but i remember seeing like him sitting down and like putting the gasoline on him uh, by the way i don't think i'm going to post some of these really strong pictures on our blog post but i'll maybe put links to them so you can see them but uh-huh. um, okay because really that one's a really strong one and i remember seeing that one was i was as a kid as well and again uh-huh. you know um it's so funny because kids these days are growing up and they're seeing all sorts of imagery on television and movies that make this priest uh, this buddhist uh, monk lighting himself on fire look like like nothing really um and so yeah it's definitely a different um different time visually in terms of what kids and people of all ages are bombarded with it is it is and i don't know if that would have the same kind of effect now um this is really interesting thinking about i wonder if that monk knew he was going to be photographed you said that uh the the photographer photographer was was tipped tipped off. off and so you know i mean I'm not making light of this and um, that was not even a pun. I'm sorry. Um, but, uh, no, I'm I know not you're making saying. jokes he about may this. May but... have been, a, may have been aware that right. he was generating, you know, an, an image. Right. Right. Um, I mean, probably if you're going to give your life to make a statement, you probably want that message yeah. to, yeah. to, you know, yeah. Go out as widely as it could. I, I don't even need to see the picture in front of me. Like I know, I know the details of it in, in intimately. Like mm-hmm. he's on fire, and half of his face is still like is normal calm. and yeah. calm. He's sitting there in a, in a lotus position, and his flames are coming off of him, and he's not in any sense making any kind of gestures or anything like that. Um. Yeah, I don't even need to see that picture to 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 remember that. That's sort mm-hmm. of embedded in my. That's how iconic it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, wow. Yeah, that's. Um, but oh, to, so to go back to my point about the colorizing and the black and white. I mean, there's been this movement that I see that people are um, colorizing old pictures, and you know, I go back and forth about this, um, about how I feel about that. And I remember seeing the picture of the monk on fire, and you know, you and I grew up where most of the pictures we've seen, the vast majority of it was probably black and white, generally because color was more expensive. Mm-hmm. We grew up with black and white televisions and, you know, newspapers were generally black and white. So we saw a lot of our imagery, I think, in black and white. And it wasn't necessarily an artistic, you know, um, reason mm-hmm. for the pictures to be black and white. It was just that was what was easiest and least expensive. And, you know, of course, we go back in time and the more we go back in time, the more black and white imagery is. And, you know, people colorize the pictures and what it does is to help us maybe relate to the pictures a little bit more. You know, it becomes less of a, an abstract and more of like, oh, well, I can, I can understand what's going on in that shot because of the color. Um, I don't yeah, know what you think no, about that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm suspect of, of it, you know. I mean, it just seems like, especially if you're dealing with photojournalism, I mean, who's choosing oh. those colors? What were the original colors? Yeah, no, and, I, you know, I agree yeah. with that. It, it's, you know, people are making, they're certainly making artistic choices and I'm sure a lot of the colorization is is um is done well where people are well aware they're being they're colorizing the pictures on purpose i think they're uh-huh. sometimes trying to do it so that uh you can we can look at them differently and maybe understand what was going on when the scene was originally photographed i know this is great picture a portrait of uh, lincoln um i don't know if it was when he was president or just before he was president Certainly was not. It was before he looked. Before he really aged, when someone colorized it, and mm. you know, it was a very, very well done colorized image of Lincoln. And all of a sudden, he became not this. You know, we're so used to seeing yeah. him black and white. And all of a sudden, he's uh-huh. got flesh color, and his eyes have color. And his hair is a little brown. Or and all of a sudden, you're like, whoa! That it it really made a. He's a real guy. It was a real person, yeah. And uh-huh. it wasn't to take away from the original black and white. I think it was just to give it another context. Maybe it was almost like a learning experience, you know? But anyway, mm-hmm. this, the, the, the shot of the monk, I know I've seen, you know, uh, colorized, because we all know probably what color um, outfit he's wearing. It's orange or orange-yellow. Mm-hmm. You know what the flames look like. You know what skin tone looks like. And all of a sudden, you, you apply all this to the picture, and the picture takes on a different life. Um, it's and, true. You know, it's, yeah. it doesn't take away from the original. It just gives you some kind of context. Anyway, that was, I know that's sort of an off shoot. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> in another it's, direction. It's relevant. It's good. Yeah. I'm thinking in the interest of time, though, that maybe we should shift gears and have you talk about one of your own images. Well, actually, I, I, before we go into that, I do want to talk about, I don't want to go into that yet because that's, I think that's an end image. Uh huh. Right. <laughs> there's, there's, um uh, well how are we doing on time we're doing fine on time we're like you know people people don't tune us out uh we can go uh-huh. for about an hour we're at about 48 minutes 45 okay minutes. so okay. i got a couple you know i'll try to go through them really quickly i, I didn't realize that they would take so long <laughs> but i think it's a good discussion um okay you know what i'll skip i'll skip the picture of stravinsky there's a yeah, we'll skip that one. I'll, we'll talk about that later. It's a Arnold Newman shot, but it, it it's an influential shot to me. Uh, I will jump to. 
Okay, I'll, I have to go to this one because I wrote about an essay. I wrote this in an essay in school, and so that was enough. There's a a, a great picture by a photographer um, Jacques Henri uh, Lartigue, and of course, I'm probably wrecking that name, so pardon my French. Uh, and it is a shot from oh my God, I think it's 1913, and it's of a race car, and it's. Uh, Best way to describe it is like there's this old time car on the right side of the frame with the wheels uh, elongated like ovals going in one direction. And then on the left side of the frame are the people on the side of the road and they're slanted and skewed in the opposite direction. So the picture is totally distorted. And this car, you only see half of this car. You see the two drivers and the wheel uh, and the big number six on it. But the wheel on the, on the car is just distorted. And the people are distorted in the other direction. And it's always intrigued me. This was like, what the heck is going on in this image? But he, the, the photographer picked the perfect subject for this distortion to happen because the distortion is making the car. I mean, this, the picture of speed is, is built into this picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it, what, what grabbed me about it was because I was trying to figure out, you know, again, I'm like, why is this happening? Now, this is, this is more of a technical thing, but I love the picture. I loved race cars, you know, and so this really struck home when I was looking at it, but I could never figure out uh, what was going on. I think I remember seeing this picture before I went to photography school. And then when I was in photography school, this popped up as, you know, it's a very famous picture. And so it showed up in the, you know, art history class or even one of my technical classes. And then I learned what caused the distortion. And essentially it's very similar to what happens with cameras today. I I thought we wouldn't get technical (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah can't help it uh it's the way i'm not going to go into a deep discussion about it, but it's the way the shutter is moving uh in relationship to the uh, film plane and it's also in relationship to how the camera is being moved so there's two things going on the camera is being moved in one direction and the shutter is doing something and because of that you're getting this distortion the the different parts of the film are getting light at different times um, hmm and we see that now if you were to take your iPhone and put it on video mode or something like that and swing the camera back and forth, you'd kind of see the same effect where everything, we call it jelly cam in, in, uh, when we're doing video, where the, uh-huh. it looks like wibbly wobbly. You get this sort of distortion. And, and the same kind of thing is going on with the, um, with the uh, digital cameras these days, with the, with the sensors. They're, they're not recording all the light at the same time. It's sort of scanning. And when the light is being scanned uh, from top down, you'll get this distortion on moving objects. Not when objects are standing still, but when they're moving. Anyway, hmm. that being said, cool. which is really interesting because this is this weird effect on an old camera in 1913, and we're having the same effect today. So Yeah, that's fascinating. It is fascinating. But the picture is one of those things that, you know, in college, I think I wrote an essay. I wish I could find it. And I'm really curious what I wrote about it. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> um, but again, it, it was just it. It was the it was the technical part that drew me to it first. It was trying to figure out what was going on, and then the more I looked at it, the more I thought, "Wow, this is just." It is. It talks about speed. Um, it it almost looks daring. It looks like the photographer couldn't even catch up to the car. The car was moving so fast that's halfway out of the frame. Um. And I yeah. think I'd always wanted to emulate this picture. Now I can do it with my iPhone, but <laughs> I think I wanted to emulate this with the cameras that I had then in school, and I couldn't do it. Didn't 
No, I didn't have the right kind of material to do it. So anyway, I wanted to talk about that one. That one, that one, you know, I don't know what I got in my paper. Probably a B. <laughs> I, was not, I was not an A student. Um, but I tried, you know. So. Anyway. Well, yeah, it's it's a great image, definitely. It's definitely worth mentioning. You know, I, I'd just say uh, it's also, to me, when I look at it, I see this sort of like modernity moving forward, like these guys, you know, behind the wheel of this car when cars hadn't been around that long and they're just racing into the future. And the figures mm. on the left side of the image that are on foot you know, the one guy is kind of standing and then the other two or three are walking. So it's kind of like the past and the future. Mm. And, and it just strikes me that it's like the beginning of world war one, you know, mm. oh, it, 1913, yeah. I think that's the year. And it's like, huh, just mm. modernity. It's all there. There was, it's funny that you're saying that there was a, um, recent show on American experience, uh, there's a three-part documentary about America going into World War One, mm. and they were talking about that how how World War One was the first modern war and how it how it really was sort of what you're talking about, like you know racing into the future, kind yeah. of leaving this old stuff behind. So yeah, there's a great book called the The War to End All Wars, which is what they called World War World War One, and it I mean there was guys like on horseback charging into machine gun fire, you know, because of that sort of abrupt emergence of modern mm -hmm. warfare. You know, the irony was that the guy who invented the machine gun thought it would end war. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. how'd, that, how'd that work out for you, guy? <laughs> I'm sorry. Didn't quite work out. Um, no. So do you have another picture or should I go to the next one? Uh, I'll go jump, jump to the next one. All right. Okay. I'll, I'll jump. This is going to be the Antonio. Okay, I'm gonna pull out a shot of my um of my dad. All right. Cool. Yeah. So I sent it to you, right? Yeah, you got it. Yeah. So I don't know who took the shot and whether or not he did a self portrait or not. I have no idea, and I can't. There's nobody I can ask anymore because everybody is is no longer with us. Um. But you know what? If I look at the picture, I might be able to see in the glasses. I can't see anybody. Anyway, it's a picture of him wearing a beret. With these sort of horn rim glasses, he's got a beard. He's wearing what looks like a, it almost looks like an army jacket on it. He's lighting up a cigar, a cigar, and it's very much um, reminiscent of maybe a uh, the Che Guevara picture or even a shot of um, Castro. Right now, my my dad is part Cuban, uh, and so it's my heritage is Cuban, and. Um, this this was a big print. This was like an eleven by fourteen or thirteen huh. by. It was a large print that was in like my mom's stuff. In you know we have the. These, mm. It wasn't even like a binder. It was just like a folder full of loose images, and so I pulled it out and I scanned it. I I ended up uh, sending it to my brother and sister when we had sort of a a reunion. They probably never saw this picture, but I'd always see it when I'd go through this folder of images. Uh, pictures and my father was a photographer so that's why I think he may have taken this himself or he might have set it up and then someone you know flipped the shutter but I I look at this picture I didn't grow up with my dad he left my mom and my dad got divorced when they were I think I might have been three years old or something 
so mm-hmm. I actually don't know when this picture was taken, whether it was taken before he broke up with my mom or, or after. Um, but it was one of the images that I would look at all the time of my dad. Now, I didn't frame it. Again, it was a loose print. But I would look at this all the time, and I was, try- you know, again, figuring this out. Like, why is he dressed like Castro? Why is he smoking a cigar? I don't remember him smoking. But, you know, cigars are not necessarily smoking. It's People smoke cigars all the time. Um, and it was weird to connect myself to this guy, you know, I wasn't quite sure, like how, how am I related to him? What, what is the influence that he had on me? Yeah. And why does he look like somebody from another country? Um, and he, you know, he's staring right at the camera. Uh, this one I'll definitely post this one. Uh, he's staring yeah. at the camera and you can see if I zoom up, I can see the reflection in his glasses of of the camera or something of the camera, but it's very yeah, I good. I think there's a flash is in the, yeah, there's the, something going on. In yeah. the glass. You know, and he probably had the shot in a studio. He had a studio on 14th street. Um, there's so much to this picture. And that's why like, I don't know if he, uh, if he took it or one of his friends took it as a photographer. He was friends with a lot of photographers in, in that time period. Uh, and he was actually quite a good photographer, you know? Um, yeah. What was a shame was that his, life went downhill at some point um he ended up you know i don't have any negatives from him um mm. i don't have any negatives I, I have only like a handful of prints i don't know where any, and i know he's a photographer i mean it wasn't not, nobody's lying you know he was a, he took pictures but i don't have i don't have a lot of the hardcore proof um i didn't know that then when i was looking when i looked at this picture as a kid you know, like i didn't know I didn't have access to his pictures or I didn't know that he didn't have access to him. And, you know, if I'd known that then I might've made a little bit more effort to get his pictures. But anyway, I look at this and I'm just like, this is my dad. It is very strange. It was very, very strange. And it's uh, an amazing image. Isn't it? It's a really good, yeah. it's a really good print too. I mean, and the print is in, it's in great condition. This is what we talked about. You just mentioned about like, if you love a picture, you should print it. Yeah. You know, this thing, I don't know how old it is. Let's say it's from, it's certainly from the sixties, you know, and it looks as good like now whoever printed it, you know, washed it. And so it's, you know, properly got all the chemicals out. So it's not fading. It's not turning yellow or anything like that. Um, and I just did this on a scanner. There's a, it's a beautiful scan. So, mm. um, but again, it's one of those things that, you know, occasionally I would open up the binder, look at the picture and say, what, what's going on here? But I like this is always the picture that I that I have in my mind of my dad. Like there are other photographs of him, but this is the one that like if I was gonna say, what's the one picture that's gonna say something about my dad? It's this one. Um, and I don't know what it says. Uh, and when you know, if anybody's looking at this picture, when you see the show notes, um, tell me what you think. So yeah. And what do you think? Oh. When you look at it. Well, I think he's definitely, you know, one intriguing dude. <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, it's it's enigmatic. It's like you almost don't want to, you know, overanalyze it or put too yeah, many words true. on it. It's yeah. sort of like, you know, he's just, he's, he's there, you know. I mean, yeah. you're looking into the eyes of... A deep soul, I would say, mm. you know, I, I definitely see a striking resemblance too between and not just kind of 
surface cosmetics, but just kind of a certain energy and soulfulness, you know, when mm. I look at him and I haven't seen you in a while. So it's like, I feel like I'm looking at you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's I was... fascinating. I mean, if this is a shot of that your dad took of himself, a self-portrait in his studio, you know, I just think it's so cool that you as a photographer living in New York, second generation, or, you know, that this image that he generated has given you so much in terms of a, um, a window and, uh, your own identity and your past and your dad. Yeah. And I think somewhere along the line, I've always wanted to make this picture of somebody. Um, mm. and I think on one of our, was it in one of our photo walks in Red Hook, there was a, uh, and I can't remember if it was our photo walk or I did it for the Scott Kelby photo walk, but there was a pop-up cigar store. Huh. And this guy, this sort of character was um, selling cigars. And I actually went up to him and said, could I take a picture of you? And I did. I think he was lighting the cigar or something. I can't remember. Yeah, and now I that think I'm, I was there. You were there, right? That. Yeah. Yeah. And and I love that picture. Like, I'll find that one and put it up. Um, it's nothing. It's not as good as this one. But I think maybe this picture was probably in my mind, in my uh -huh. subconscious a little bit when I was taking that. Um, because it, again, you know, as a little kid looking at a shot like this and wanting to, you know, emulate what I'm seeing, you know, like, well, I'd love to take yeah. a picture like that, you know? And so there's, that is in my mind somewhere along the line. And I think as, as I'm looking at it now, I don't think I could match the quality of that picture. You know, I'd have to do my own version of it, but I mean, it's, uh -huh. really good, it's a really good picture. So, yeah. So, and sticking with, the, cool. yeah, sticking with the parent yeah. thing. So mm -hmm. I figured, you know, I'll go and open up down the personal lane here. But the last picture I want to talk about, uh, and it was, I actually shot it on an iPhone. Um, now that I'm looking at it, definitely my iPhone. But uh, in uh, 2009, my uh, mom um, had to get rushed to the hospital. And uh, she, during the, her short stay there, uh, found out that she had uh, terminal lung cancer and basically died within seven days. And mm. it was a, it was a, I even hate saying this cause it's a very strange thing to say, but you know, it was a rough seven days, eight days. Of course. Was. Yeah. I mean, um, and you know, so I, I ended up spending a lot of time in the hospital with her when I could. Um, and like in the early days, early days it was man that that week felt like it was a month. Yeah, um, man. When she went on a on a, on a Friday and she died the next Saturday, so Friday, Saturday, yeah, so eight days. And so somewhere early on in the stay, like the Saturday or the Sunday, uh, we went and visited her, and she was in a room, and I had my iPhone and I was just using it. In fact, that's where I made a lot of friends on Twitter, by the way, because I. Huh. Uh, I tweeted while I was in the room because I didn't want to talk to people on the phone, obviously. It would be quiet. Mm -hmm. She was sleeping a lot and on morphine. And uh, so I would just sit there and, 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 uh, and tweet, and people were sharing their experiences with me, which some of you uh, in the audience are probably, uh, or, you know, will remember that time uh, if uh, you're still around uh, on my Twitter feed. Anyway. Uh, I had my iPhone 3GS, I think it was. <laughs> the cameras were, hmm. were, you know, they weren't bad, but they weren't great. But, um, and being the photographer, I took 
a picture of her in the hospital. Now, the shot I'm posting in the shot you'll see is a shot of her hand uh, resting on the bed, and you can see the sheets, and you can see, like, you know this is a hospital because around her wrist she's got the little wristband from the hospital. Um, it was the one picture that I, um, that I, I took a lot of pictures. It was the one picture that I posted publicly to sort of be respectful of her privacy. Um, and just the whole thing, I wasn't out to make a, you know, some sort of sensational thing about my mom dying. I just wanted to share what was going on. And so this to me was a picture, uh, that had some dignity in it still. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and was, you know, private in a way. And, uh, and, and it reminds me, you know, obviously it's a memory of that time period and it really strikes the whole, um, you know, that the whole seven, the seven or eight days really comes back to me when I look at the shot and, uh, you know, I, I, I leave it on my phone or it pops up in my phone as I'm, or like one of my, uh, feeds when I'm like scrolling through pictures and I'm looking through the dates and all of a sudden this pops up and then mm. it's like, Oh yeah. You know, I can, and then I can see the pictures before and after that. And, um, yeah, people are going to have some probably judgments about this, but I took pictures throughout her whole sickness. And, uh, I even, uh, took pictures when she was in ICU and she was dying. Um, and that was, that was tough. And I, I asked a friend of mine, uh, after that, uh, like, I'm not sure why I did that. And he said, well, that's just what you, that's what you do. That's what you're, that's what you're born to do. Take pictures, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, I didn't, I didn't have the greatest relationship with my mom late, later in life. It became rough, but you know, when she was in the hospital and she was by herself and it was like really sucked to leave her there. Um, and so this picture sort of. I look at this and I, and I think it's sort of everybody's um, mom or everybody's mm. someone that they know who's been there. And uh, like, I, I don't think I could have taken a better picture of, of what was going on. I think it was the right time. It was the right device. It was the right look. It was everything about it was right. Um, I don't think I showed it to her. Um, in fact, I think she didn't, you know, now I'm remembering, I'm looking at this picture. I don't think she woke up after this. Mm-hmm. You know, she went from this to ICU and, and then, and then pass. So it might've might been the middle of the week anyway. Um, and this is a more modern picture, you know, obviously it's, this was 2000 and, uh, 2009. So, you know, it's a modern part of my DNA now, mm-hmm. um, but I look at it all the time and thinking like, you know, at some point that's going to be me, you know, that's going to be my hand in a, bed with a thing around it, you know? Um, yeah. Mortality. Yeah. But the, you know, the, the ever recording of it, like that's what we do. And, you know, a lot more pictures led up to, to that moment. You know, a lot of pictures that I was looking at and thinking about and, uh, led up to me taking that picture. So I don't know if that quite fits in, but I wanted to, I didn't want to share it. Of course it does. Yeah, no. I mean, talk about iconic images. You know, I, I, I would just say by way of commenting that I feel like it's 
such a beautiful image. I mean, it's all the more meaningful given, you know, like the story that you just told and that you were witnessing the de the death of your mother in this profound way. And, um, you know, I like the image as it's presented, like I'm looking at it right now and, you know, like the kind of the blotching of the skin on her arm, you know, suggests like a seriousness of it, you know, mm -hmm. of her condition. And, and in a way to me, it's sort of like, it goes from darkness to light when you look at the image from the bottom right to the top left. Mm -hmm. And the way her hand is positioned on like the the pillow or the sheets, it's sort of like it's kind of at peace, you know? Mm -hmm. And it in terms of like iconic images, it sort of kind of reminds me of like the hands on the Sistine Chapel of like God reaching down to touch the human hand. You know? Mm -hmm. It's like your your mom sort of like reaching beyond this world in a way mm. so yeah powerful and beautiful beautiful image yeah i never i don't think i've ever shared that uh experience so but that was a good <clears throat> yeah it was a good time to tell that story yeah yeah no that, that deserves to be told yeah and so you know i think keeping our eyes out for those single images, I mean, we're, you know, remembering that we're swamped with, with pictures and we sit there on Instagram and you press or Facebook and you press like, 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 and you know, don't spend more mm -hmm. than five seconds looking at something. Um, we sort of want to encourage us all to, you know, to stop and, uh, find those, those pictures that are, um, not only speak to you because you know so much does speak to you but what is it that about the picture that will um move you into you know either doing something or thinking something or uh emulating you know something more than just liking the picture that it, you know what finding out what you like excuse me finding out what you like about it what is it that it that is is moving inside of you um and, you know, it's not something you necessarily have to share with the photographer, you know, something for yourself. Um, but really encouraging that kind of uh, investigation and uh, yeah. thoughtfulness, I think. Uh, and then you can go back to liking pictures. I mean, yeah, I do that right. But no, I think what you're saying is, you know, it's like just remembering to recognize that some images are worth going back to and, and really spending time with and that you know there's certain images whether you've taken them or somebody else has that um are food for the soul you know yeah, yeah. and and you don't know how they're going to affect you when you're walking around taking your own pictures you know mm -hmm. they, yeah. they're part of your uh they're gonna be part of your makeup from now on and your 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 subconscious is gonna keep them you know in storage and when the time comes you're gonna see something that's similar or you're gonna resonate with some scene and you're gonna take a picture and it's and it's probably gonna be because you've um spent some time with these other images so 
you know, open magazines, cut out, you know, cut them out, hang them up on your wall, like, like Tom, you said you did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, in, enjoy them and, uh, and think about them, you know, and, and, and talk yeah, about them with inspired. other people. Yeah. yeah. Talk about them with other people because, uh, you know, it's one thing having all these thoughts racing around in your head in, in a circle. It's another thing to actually speak them out loud to somebody else. Uh, mm-hmm. or on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, Just you and me here, Tony. That's right. There's, there's nobody else. <laughs> All right. So I think, I think we've now reached the, the point where we can say that's enough. We can come back to this. I actually wouldn't mind coming back to this at some point with other pictures. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, there's a few we didn't get to. So yeah, there's quite a few. Uh, yeah. have to yeah. be a part two. Yeah. And again, I'd also like to talk about any kind of imagery. I mean, the one thing I didn't talk about were the paintings that uh, I would go back to seeing at the museums. And paintings, yeah. paintings are kind of the same. I mean, they're more elaborate photographs. I and mean, that's, it's not right the way to say it, but you know what I mean? It's like, you know, more. Yeah, they're powerful images. Powerful in their own right, obviously. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and films, we wanted to touch on films, films too. So, yeah, they'll, yeah. They'll be part two. There'll be part two. Yeah. I think I'll do, I'm going to do the post on film soon. So you'll, you'll, you'll be seeing that. I'm figuring out what my thought process is behind that. But anyway, yeah, so that's it. I hope, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, and, uh, we're just going where to, where can the, people find us? Where yeah. can they find us? Where can you <laughs> find us? We're right here. We're right in front of you. <laughs> that's the bourbon talking, man. That's the bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm right here too. You're right here, and I love you, man. <laughs> <laughs> love you too, dude. <laughs> All right, so we can be found at our website, which is in need of some work. Don't worry, it's still there. It's a uh, switchtomanual.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at switch the number two manual. So switch to manual. And while you're there, you might as well follow me at am Rosario and follow Tom at witness photog p h o t o g. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Please go on Facebook and like us and follow our page. We we post the, a lot of stuff there. Um, and uh, the other thing I'd like you guys to do is if you have a iOS device, uh, I want you guys to subscribe to our Flipboard magazine. You can go to flipboard.com slash at AM Rosario and find our Switch to Manual Flipboard magazine. We curate a lot of good Switch to Manual stories there. So uh, go check us out. And if you listen to us on iTunes, please review us. Give us lots of stars and give us lots of ratings because the only way we're going to get ahead in this world is if you guys rate us and uh, thank us. So uh, please do. that. We'd really appreciate that. And uh, the other thing we do is we're offering portfolio reviews on our website. You guys send us your pictures and we give you uh, critique and review. Uh, we have a few paid tiers and one free one. If you want to give us a sh- try, you can uh, try our free things. Well, we'd like you to pay for our portfolio reviews. That way you can help support the site and the podcast um we have a youtube channel with some tip casts uh it's been a little light there lately but you can go and check this out we have a link on our website to the tip cast page on youtube and uh what else oh if you like what we're doing and you want to help support us uh also with a tip uh, we have a tip jar on our Podbean page and a tip jar on our switch to manual page so if you want to throw us some chump change as tom you would say that right 
<laughs> yep. <laughs> buy us a coffee or a beer and help support the site that way. We'd really appreciate it. And coming soon, and I've said this ad nauseum, but I really want to get to it because I need to get some time. Tom and I are going to sell our prints on our website. So once we get that organized, uh, and I promise we'll get that organized, you can support us by buying some of our work. So check that out. Keep an eye on our page. And, and I'll post on Twitter when we do that so you guys can find out when to go and look at our galleries there. So I think that's about it. Did I got it all covered? What do you think? I think you covered it. I think I covered it too. So this was a really good conversation. I'm really happy that Tom, you were here and uh, worked out. Yes. Hello. Yeah, yes, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm you dropped I'm speechless. off. Here? I, <laughs> speechless. All right. Yeah, anyway, I feel bad that I've been so busy, but that's you know, fine. I'm Busy's good. Glad we connected. That I'm was glad, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so that's it for this episode, and all I can do is say, see you later. Adios.